Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Hi, this is Marla Gibbs, also known as Florence on the Jeffersons, Mary on 227, and you're listening to TV Confidential. Ed Robertson, along with Tony Figueroa and Donna Allen, welcoming you back to TV Confidential, radio talk show about television that will play part two of a conversation that began on our last program with writer-producer Jay Moriarty. Jay Moriarty co-wrote the famous Draft Dodger episode of All in the Family, along with his longtime writing partner, Mike Milligan. Jay also spent seven years writing and producing The Jeffersons, one of the longest-running shows in the Norman Lear canon, while his memoir, Honking in the House, is available right now at Amazon.com. Early in our conversation, we spoke quite a bit about The Draft Dodger, not only the backstory of how Jay and Mike put that episode together and the important contribution that Norman Lear made to that episode, but also the surprising reaction from viewers to that episode when it originally aired in December 1976. Since that time, we branched out into other topics, including our favorite episodes of The Jeffersons. Jay Moriarty's new book, Dead Eye, pays homage to Roy Rogers, The Cisco Kid, The Lone Ranger, and other famous movie and TV cowboys. Dead Eye, also available Amazon.com, wherever books are sold online. Tony? Something else I wanted to ask you, uh, going back to the Jeffersons, because we were having a conversation the other night over dinner, and we were talking about Zara Cully uh, as Mother Jefferson and what a great character she was. And I remember when she was first introduced in an episode of All in the Family as George's mother. And just she was also somebody who got right into Archie's face and, and straightened him out, you know, when... Yeah, it's and it usually happens when Archie is out of his living room, uh, when he when he's not the king of the castle. Somebody pointed out when they're at the engagement was, party. The Mother Jefferson character was really loved by the audience. You know, and she'd stick up for her son no matter what. Yeah, she always kind of took shots at Louise. You know, and uh, the audience, I, I guess, a lot of people somehow identified with that. You know, character or, or the mother-in-law kind of thing because they they just loved when she would. When she would say, and she was a trained actress. She'd been acting for a long time. She'd teach acting and everything, you know. And she was, she was, she was very, she was very close to Isabel and off, off camera. Oh yeah, yeah, they were real close. She, long before Jefferson, she had said to Isabel, you know, you ought to give me a job as your mother. So I'd like to work sometime. You like to play your mother, you know. And then, of course, she did. But yeah, she really knew how to deliver deliver a joke. And we were all sad to see her when she got. Sick, even you know, we had uh, you know, she was 80 something when she died, but she we would have her sitting down, we'd do the show we'd just to make sure she was sitting at a table or something, you know, and not moving so she could do that. And Don even got to the point where we said, you know, I wish we could we could put Zara on a uh, like a roller thing with rollers and then roll her in and roll her, you know, but she's wonderful, she's a very funny, funny person, too. She's just a wonderful actress, she can do comedy, drama. Do it all, but she really gave that character 
you know, Bernie West used to say uh, an actor ought to bring bring 50% to a line, you know, comic actors. And she, she brought more than 50% to, to the line. She did big laughs for, for her stuff. And, uh, you know, Isabel would get her, get to be able to take her shots, you know, uh, back when she needed them. But Isabel was great. The whole cast was so great because they were all so generous with each other. Nobody got jealous of anybody. And, and everybody treated Isabel like the star, which she was. She kept that show grounded. And she was always the last one introduced uh, when we introduced, you know, at the beginning of the show, Sherman. And then Isabel and Sherman would, Sherman would, you know, defer to Isabel. Never, never played the star, you know, giving her more jokes. And, you know, when I worked on uh, Dear John, I don't know if you ever saw Dear John, Judd Hurt. He's showing there. Jerry Burns plays the character of Pete of, uh, uh, with Jerry, Jerry was uh, Kirk. That's right. Yeah, we're 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 in the writers' room after you know uh, after a table reading, and Judd Hirsch comes in and he's got got a copy of the script and he says uh, says here, dear John, not dear Kirk, and then he walks out of the room. So when Kirk was getting a lot of the laughs, you know, and he kind of in a nice way said, hey, yeah, hey, give me you know more comedy, but. We never had on Jefferson's anybody, you know, wanting to, although Isabel will tell you, she, uh, at the beginning, she would kind of object to certain lines line and say, I don't know if I want to say that. And she said, well, then they just give him to George. So I thought, oh, no, I'll say that one. <laughs> <laughs> you know. But the, the thing I loved about, which I say in the book about the Jeffersons, was the way that, that Isabel and Louise could go head to head. You never saw that in any sitcom anywhere and still showed unconditional love you know but they could argue like like real married people do and but not in a nasty way you know she was always Isabel trying to keep him on a straight and narrow and he was trying to say hey you gotta play whitey's game like whitey you gotta stand you gotta you're not always telling the truth you're not always you know anyway it was those two characters were they, they were really new for and then the, then the as far as being new for the show, the interracial couple. Yeah. You know, you guys probably identify with that. I mean, I don't think that was such a big deal to have an interracial couple on a, on a show. Just a few years before, there was the TV incident with Dula uh, Clark and Harry Belafonte. Yes. Remember that? When they sang on a variety show, and they sang a duet together. And at the end, Dula Clark, Harry Belafonte's wearing a sweater and everything. She just touches his, his sweater, touches his arm, and it was like a big scandal, you know, at CBS and everything and black and white, white woman touching a black man. It was so crazy. And, and now, my short, now in 74, 75, when Jefferson came on, you've got this interracial couple. Norman says, you know, when they do their kiss, are you, I don't know if you know, you probably know the history of yes, yes, Tom Willis at first, you know, what do you think if, if they kiss each other? And, and and Frank Tober said, you know, probably the heavens will open up in the world. And, you know, they, they will. The interesting thing, when Roxy was cast, they read Roxy and liked her. And Norman said, you Norman told her, you know, you'll be playing, you'd be playing the wife of a white man. And if you have any objection to that, you know, totally understand her. She took out her purse, took out, showed her a picture of her husband, Cy Kravitz, who was a white guy, you know. You know, Lenny Kravitz is there. Yeah, yeah. yes. And, um, but they, they were, they were, the cast were so, 
they were just great. Everybody loved everybody. That's why the show lasted so long, and they were all upset when it stopped. It was like they expected it. You know, it's amazing that a network keeps a show on the air for 11 seasons in the first place. But they all kind of, some of them took it as a racial thing. You know, it's because we're black, you know, they're canceling it. Because it's been on for five years longer than most. Honky in the House, writing and producing The Jeffersons by J. Moriarty, available Amazon.com, wherever books are sold online. Jay's latest book, Dead Eye, is a dramatic story that pays homage it's to... A, yeah, it's a comedy. It's basically dedicated to everybody who's ever wanted to be a cowboy. I don't know if you guys, when you were growing up, when I in the 50s especially, the 50s and the early 60s, Every kid, every grown-up now has a picture of them as a kid with the guns and the holsters. And, I mean, the girl, all the females I know, God, everybody, you know, the Annie Oakley, you wanted to be a cowboy or cowgirl when you grew up. And, of course, you know, when you grew up, most of them ended up being different things. This book is about a guy who's like a 30-year-old lawyer in 1977. He's unhappy with his job and his life, and he's going through a divorce. He realizes the only thing he ever really wanted to be was a cowboy. So he takes off. He's either living in Minneapolis, he goes west to be a cowboy. So the rest of it is kind of a Don Quixote kind of thing where, you know, Don Quixote grew up reading uh, chivalry knights books and decides he wants to be a knight and goes off over the windmills. But the interesting thing about, about him being a cowboy, well, he ends up getting a sidekick and he ends up by the third... Two-thirds of the movie all of a sudden become a cowboy movie. I mean, it's interesting. To me, it's a very funny thing, though, really. That's fun. Two great, two great roles in it. I wrote it as a screenplay, but I decided, I made it, I got a prominent artist, Steve Marquesi, to do illustrations and made a book out of it. So I figured I want to get it to producers. To, you know, on the front it says, uh, soon to be a major motion picture, and then with an asterisk, and then the asterisk says, uh, as soon as a major director decides to make it. <laughs> I'm not really trying to sell a lot of books. I'm just trying to get, get it read by the right people and get the movie made. You know? I got a feeling that Westerns are going to be, you know, it used to be, oh, we're not doing Westerns and Westerns are out. But for some reason, especially during a pandemic, I think people are watching these old shows and they realize there's a lot of good stories in these Western things, you know, even those, those hour kind of, well, we we talked about this with Susan, Susan Silver, before you joined us, Jay, with the old Westerns, their old morality plays, good triumphs at the end. There's a resolution at the right. end of an hour that you don't have with a lot of stuff. I mean, people are people are struggling and people are isolated and people, right. you know, so at least, you know, the only, that the only uh, person wearing a mask is a Lone Ranger. Yeah. 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 So at least at, at, at the I end, I actually say exactly that what you kind of said in the, in the introduction of my book, where I say, uh, you know, it was great. You, you know, good always won out. You learned a bit. Yeah. America's uh, core values. And, and you learn that, you know, the bad guys always got caught and the good guys won and, Justice always won out. But, I mean, in those days, you knew you had right, right and wrong, you know, and the, the good guys always got the, got the bad guys. I think people, if that's what you're saying, I think that's why people like to watch watch those shows. And, in fact, in this, in the Honking House, I didn't really expect, I started writing that so my grandkids would know what I did. And, uh, and it turned out to be I was so much time at the Jeffersons, I just 
cut a lot of the personal stuff and made it differences. But I think it's it's really selling well. I never expected that. That's great. People are watching. It's on antenna. I started commercials on antenna, and it went through the roof. You know, the target audience people actually tune in the Jeffersons they, twice a day during the week on antenna, and the people are saying, hey, you know, I love it. Fun. It always makes me laugh. And uh, and Ernest Harden, who is uh, played Marcus on the Jeffersons, mm-hmm. if you know the Marcus, the character, yeah, Ernest Harden, he's still around. Ernie does the commercial club. He's the spokesperson with the book, saying, you know. If you're a fan of the Jeffersons, you need to get this book. In the meantime, Dead Eye is available uh, through Amazon.com if you want to uh, check it out. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Manscaped. Manscaped, the best there is when it comes to men's below-the-waist grooming. Go to Manscaped.com, enter promo code CONFIDENTIAL, and you'll receive 20% off your order, plus free shipping worldwide. Guys, Unlock your confidence with Manscaped and always use the right tools for the job. Go to manscaped.com, enter promo code CONFIDENTIAL for a 20% discount plus free shipping. Manscaped.com. You sound so much like Peter Casey. If you know who Peter Casey is, created the, he and the David Lee and... Uh, oh, David. cheers. Yeah. Frazier and cheers. cheers yeah. You know, Frazier won Best Emmy for uh, five years in a row, Best Comedy. Mm-hmm. They're, Peter and David and, and their colleague Ken De- Crash, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But um sound just if I close my eyes, I think <laughs> Peter. But Peter uh-huh. Casey, we hired my partner and I hired Peter and David. They worked on the Jeffersons uh, for like the last four years uh, we hired them like in the sixth season or whatever. That was their first job. They were just selling sandwiches for a place called Movable Feast where they would walk around to different uh, shows at, at lunchtime and sell sandwiches. Peter has a great picture of him on this on a set at Paramount of I forget what show it is, but he's there, you know, as a sandwich guy selling shows. And then, you know, not that long later, he's he's there uh, writing and producing Cheers, and they created Wings and. I think I think you hired Ken Levine on the Jeffersons as well, didn't you? Didn't you? Well, they were their first script was for the Jeffersons. Mike and I didn't hire them. They actually wrote. The same time we wrote Louise's daughter thing, they wrote a script. I see. Okay. And, and, but they didn't get hired. We got hired. <laughs> their, their script got shot. They went on eventually. They were a little younger than us, and they end up doing uh, Mash and and uh, you know Ken still writes his his. Uh, Ken's a playwright. Yes, podcast and a and a uh, what do you call it a column? He does uh, Levine. Uh, Hollywood, Holly, Levine. Hollywood Levine, and he's also written about uh, six or seven plays in the last ten years. He's written a number. He's more prolific than anybody I've ever yeah. seen before. He still just writes. I, I tell him I can't believe how he does it. But he has it every day. He writes a uh, what, what do you call a column? It's not a podcast. You know, I mean, he writes a a blog, a, a blog, a yeah, blog entry. Blog. Right, right, right. Yeah. And uh, he, he has a blog every day. Every day you look at. I've, I got it on my. Usually look at it on Facebook. Yeah. But people will comment and they'll read it. And I don't know how he does it. Every day he writes something and then he answers questions on Friday and then he'll write one weekend column. And he keeps doing it, man. And it's mostly about television. But he was also a uh, sports announcer. You know, yes, baseball. yes, for the, for the Seattle Mariners and I think for yeah. Baltimore. Yeah, and I think maybe once a he uh, went under the name Beaver Cleaver when he did his... Uh, he, was, he was a DJ for uh, Boss Radio um, in right. the 70s. 
Yeah, he and David Isaacs. His partner, David, is now um, chair of the writing division at USC. Yeah. I taught at USC for a number of years, and, uh, and uh, David was uh, teaching there. I was teaching comedy. He was teaching uh, screenwriting and stuff. And now he's uh, actually the chair. So, in other words, Ken's partner is the chair. Another writer we gave a first assignment to, Larry Valmeja. Larry's, uh, I don't know if you know Larry's name, he, he got Emmy Cheers and stuff too, but his first was in Jefferson. But he teaches at SV now too. He basically teaches a kind of a thing that I, well, we won't go into That's a whole other story. But uh, yeah, Dave, you're, you're reading Ken Levine, you're wondering what happened, where David is. I just told you he's, he's the chair of the uh, USA when helping young kids, you know, get into business that they can have their hearts broken in. <laughs> it's a crazy business you know Ed you've kept on top of it I mean now it's so different from what it was when the, these shows we're talking about started it, with three networks that was it you know, yeah along. and has changed. a lot less opportunity there are a lot more opportunities for freelancers when you started which gave more, more opportunities uh, for, for people to break into the industry than there are today because most yeah. most everything is staffed yeah well the, the reason for that is in those days the show would get picked up for 24 episodes so you'd have the whole season and when writers sit down and go geez we've got 20 we've got 24 shorts and then Norman of course always encouraged uh, freelancers particularly when we had like uh, African-American shows, you know, uh, Good Times and Jefferson's and even Sanford, you know, encouraged that we, we would always talk and have, uh, you know, listen to stories from outside. But nowadays you don't get picked up for 24 episodes, you know, you get a few shots or whatever. And, yeah, you get uh, eight or ten. Yeah, and so they're just, it's probably a little tougher. Although it wasn't easy then, there were shows that where writers... They just want to do the, they didn't want to meet with freelancers. The Guild finally made a rule that the shows had to meet with at least, um, you have to give at least two assignments yeah. to freelancers. But then even then, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to call my friend Bob and give him an assignment, or my friend Ellen, and so, you know. That's a whole other conversation. Right. <laughs> Jay Moriarty co wrote the famous Draft Dodger episode of All in the Family, along with his longtime writing partner, Mike Milligan. Jay also spent seven years writing and producing The Jeffersons, one of the longest-running shows in the Norman Lear canon, while his memoir, Honking in the House, is available right now at Amazon.com. What's your big love, Donna? Theater. Theater. Well, that's a good time. I was, was going to say Tony, but uh, theater, theater. Uh, well, <laughs> okay. Anybody that can put up with a guy who does Peter Casey in person, you gotta be. No. Pretty good All right. Well, great talking to you guys. Great Ed. I, I appreciate you having me on your on your podcast. It's always a pleasure. Uh, Jay, we will have you back later in the year. I, I love you guys. We'll continue our celebration on the 100th birthday of Norman Lear. We come back on TV Confidential. Story Salon is Los Angeles' longest-running storytelling venue. We have live shows every Wednesday in Studio City, as well as solo shows, podcasts, CDs, and several books. Los Angeles Daily News calls Story Salon gemstones of narrative, something new, funny, astonishing. Sunset Magazine says... Tales tall, tragic, and tantalizing. All of this makes Story Salon one of the most eclectic entertainment experiences available. 
You can learn more about us by going to our Facebook page or by visiting our website at www.storiesalon.com. Accredited by Guinness World Records, welcome to Archival Television Audio, Incorporated. A peerless TV soundtrack archive preserving the audio from television's first three decades, the 1950s, 60s, and 70s, the golden and silver age of television. For more information, go to atvaudio.com. One more item I want to tell you about Manscaped. Manscaped, the best there is when it comes to men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped's performance package 4.0 is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle and includes their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer which not only features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology but it is waterproof which means guys that you can now say goodbye to that mess on the bathroom floor go to manscaped.com enter promo code confidential and you'll receive a 20 percent discount off your order plus free shipping worldwide manscaped performance package 4.0 also includes the weed whacker ear and nose trimmer which is also waterproof plus two free bonus gifts the manscaped boxers and the shed travel bag more than four million men worldwide have put their trust in manscaped go to manscaped.com manscaped.com enter promo code confidential for a 20 percent discount plus free shipping manscaped.com this portion of tv confidential is brought to us by our friends at front porch realty group the community of realtors in the northern bay area of california that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk tvconfidential.net talk at tvconfidential.net you can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential x.com forward slash tvconfidential or at tvconfidential on instagram and if you're listening to us on the tv confidential podcast please be sure to hit the subscribe button this portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.